Welcome to 931, Growing the Church in Canada, a podcast about church revitalization and hosted by Heritage College and Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. Join us as we explore with Canadian leaders strategic topics related to church revitalization. Well, it's a delight to welcome Pastor Bob Parks to our podcast today. Uh, Pastor Parks, if you would tell us, how did you first experience the grace of God which led you to faith in Christ? Well, I was raised uh, by a Christian mother. Uh, My mother and father were married, and then uh, she became a believer about a year after that. So my father was not a believer for most of his life, although he did come to Christ uh, later in life. But um, my mother was responsible for taking all nine of her children, I'm number seven, came to... uh, came to our local church and through her influence and testimony and through the church uh, I came to Christ at an early age around age seven. Now walk us through a little bit of how you first sensed God was calling you into pastoral ministry. I think I had a sense uh, from very very early in my years the little church we attended uh, was a it was small but it was vibrant and uh, the singing was wonderful I used to sit in the front row. They called me the little deacon uh, because I just wanted to be up there where the action was and uh, loved to sing all of the choruses and hymns. And uh, I felt at that point uh, a real sense of calling. Although I couldn't identify to what what type of service it was, I was drawn to worship and music, but I was also drawn to the preaching of the word. So by the time I was... uh, I'd say 12 years old, I, I really had a strong Amazing. sense wow. that God was leading me into some form of ministry. And what, what church was that, Bob? It was a little Berean church, they called it. I don't know that it was any denomination. Okay. I was born and raised outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So the, the communities we lived in were small town. And um, that was, uh, well, for a, lo- a long period of my life, in that little church and then we moved to another town and it was another good independent Bible church that we attended. Excellent. Now what steps did you take as you began to sense your calling and and whose counsel did you seek in following the Lord's will? I would probably say two two people in particular. One was our local pastor in the church uh, in the little town of Wayland, Michigan. He was um, he was a very energetic and a positive kind of a pastor. He took interest in all of his young people. And uh, he, was, he was not only gifted in preaching, but he was also gifted in, in music. He led the choir and uh, he and his wife sang together. So that combination of things influenced me. I really admired uh, his approach to ministry. And then I had an older brother who was 10 years older than I, and um, he was obviously raised in the same family. My father, who was an alcoholic for most of his life, um, was not my role model uh, sure. in our family, but my older brother was. Mm, and he went to Bible college, uh, and he was in music and in, in pastoral ministry to some degree. And his influence in my life was very strong. So those two men in particular... Where did you take your own training? Where did you to take your, your theological training for ministry? To begin with, I went to what was called the Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music in, in Michigan. It was just about 20 miles from my hometown, and many of the people that I knew were associated with that school. Right. So it was a natural thing to go. It was a Bible institute, 
not a degree granting school, but uh, a very fine training institution. And its purpose was to train men and women for local church ministry and for missions. And so I went into the music and worship program there, which included a lot of Bible training and theology as well. And uh, my goal was then to go into local church ministries, uh, which I did for quite a long time in, in worship and music ministry, but always combining it with, um, with pastoral type ministries mm-hmm. as well. Now, how did God bring you to Ontario and, and what churches have you served here within the province? It was back in uh, the early 90s. Uh, I, my, my first wife uh, uh, passed away at age uh, 40, 44, um, and I was living in Denver, Colorado at the time. I had served in Santa Barbara, California before that, and uh, in, in local churches there. And when I was in Denver and had gone through uh, being widowed, um, the Lord brought uh, my, my wife Judy into my life. She had lost her first husband. Uh, who had uh, led a ministry called Life Action Ministry. So we were uh, married in 1992, uh, combining our families of five and two children. So we had a combined family of seven. And uh, I just felt the Lord was was leading us into more of a a pastoral role. Mm -hmm. So it was at that time that uh, Benton Street Baptist Church in Kitchener uh, had gotten my um, resume from Denver Seminary. I had gone on to Denver Seminary to finish uh, studies in Old Testament. And so my resume was on file there. They contacted me. While I had no idea I'd be leaving the U.S. to come to Canada, it was God's leading. And uh, I came in 1994 to, uh, to serve at Benton Street Baptist Church. Now you brought on as an associate pastor in those early years along with Pastor Jim Reese. Am I, am I correct yes, in that? Yes, exactly. I came as Jim Reese's associate. And we worked together for uh, for three years before we made a transition. Okay, we'll talk a little later about pastoral transition. That's a that's a fascinating topic to explore, and, and one that I think deserves some wise counsel. Now, you currently serve as as both the seminary chaplain uh, here at Heritage, as well as the director of our graduate certificate in biblical preaching. What would you say are the greatest joys you've experienced in directing the preaching initiative? Well, it's been a wonderful experience. It was uh, envisioned by our president, Dr. Rick Reed, and um, initiated about three years ago, uh, almost four years ago now, uh, as a way of training pastors who are already in ministry and who really want to improve their preaching skills. And so his vision was to uh, provide this program. It it consists of five courses spread over the course of about uh, a year and a half. So every three to four months, there would be a modular course on campus for three days. And um, the program itself is intended to, uh, to sharpen the skills of these pastors, particularly in certain areas, such as preaching the epistles or preaching poetry or okay. preaching narrative. And the, the greatest joy for me is because I get to be one of the online professors that evaluate these sermons as they post them online. Hmm. We see them... Uh, audio and visual, is to see the improvement in these pastors as they take the principles of preaching that Dr. Reed lays out so clearly, and uh, it has become the approach for the whole program. But uh, to see these men really grow in their preaching while they're on the job doing it every week, 
and uh, it's it's remarkable. Uh, we've seen and heard some very, very uh, impressive responses from people who said, I, "I know something's happening to my pastor. He's really praise God, really moving in a in a new direction for preaching." So, so the candidates, typical candidate for that program are those that are in ministry. This is not just theoretical. This is not just hypothetical studies for those who are considering it. It's for those who are actually in preaching, have a regular responsibility in a local congregation. That's right. They're our target group. We do have some others. Some Sometimes a seminary student will take one of these courses for credit. Sure. But all, and also, in some cases, lay preachers or associate pastors who don't preach regularly will want to do it as, as a way of improving their preaching. But for the most part, uh, a preacher who is preaching every week in his home church is, is the person that we're really trying to target. And we're seeing the greatest results in, in those men in particular. Excellent. Now, when, when you're assessing these sermons of, of students, what are three or four things that you're actually looking for? Well, the uh, Dr. Reed's program, and he does this with his homiletics class in seminary as well okay. as in the graduate certificate program. His course is a foundation to all of the five courses. So we usually want our students in the graduate program to start with his course, although in some cases they do kind of come on and then they pick up his course in time. But he has five particular areas where he concentrates. And um, he, he, he talks about content, uh, that it should be richly biblical. He talks about clarity, that there should be a, a central idea, a big idea to each of your sermons. And he talks about uh, uh, interest, maintaining interest through keeping the tension in the sermon. The gospel move is always an important part. Uh, we try to encourage our preachers to always have uh, the uh, inclusion of the gospel in every uh, in every message. It doesn't mean that it it is te- technically a gospel message, but in every message to have a gospel move yes. and uh, make sure that's included. And then also to uh, to deliver with passion, making it personal, making it prophetic. Um, trying to look for those elements in the preaching of every sermon. So you're really serving as a coach. Is yes, that, we is are. Is that fair? Right, coming we, alongside and helping them sort of assess where where I'm at, where, and, and I'm sure you see diversity of strengths within the student body in that in that program. Very much so. We have three online professors. They're, they're men who are um, acquainted with Dr. Reed's approach to preaching. And uh, when we listen to those sermons, each, each of us will listen to one of their sermons. Uh, they, they preach one sermon in the class when they're on campus, but they also preach three sermons to submit uh, as a part of each course. And so as, as one of the online profs, I get to hear all of these men preach, mm-hmm. and each of the other two do the same. So we're giving them direct feedback, the kind of uh, critique that is both supportive and uh, and helpful, and uh, I think those are the things that are probably as as essential to the program as anything. They're getting very tailored uh, response to Excellent. their message. Excellent. Now I want to explore with you just for a few moments the blessing and the uh, the challenge of pastoral transitions. Uh, ex- explain to us the process. You mentioned earlier in our interview that that God had led you through a process of transition with Pastor uh, Reese uh, for, at Benton Street. Walk us through a little bit about that and then maybe some of the key lessons that pastoral leaders should focus on during those times of transition. Hmm. 
Well, I came, as I said earlier, to work with uh, Jim Reese, a very seasoned pastor. He's become a dear friend over these years. Um, interestingly, he and I were both raised in Michigan. Uh, our paths crossed uh, sort of over the years, although we never met each other in person until I moved to Ontario. But um, I had great uh, respect for him, and he had a very successful pastoral ministry at Benton Street Baptist for uh, at least probably 15 to 17 years already. He had come as an associate, became the senior pastor following his predecessor's uh, departure. And uh, the intention that I came with and the understanding was that we would work together for a period of time and then we would do a transition. And uh, he would not necessarily leave the church at that time, which he uh, stayed on and he became the associate pastor. Mm. So we traded roles wow. essentially three years into our time together. Okay. And what, what would you say are, the, are key lessons that every pastoral leader, a, a church that is facing this kind of transition, planning for it, what would you say are the key lessons that, that you need to stay really riveted on th- through the process? Probably uh, a sense of humility, a sense of servanthood, um, and that, that, to me, characterized my brother Jim, who is the epitome of graciousness and servanthood. He was a wonderful example to me as to how to conduct yourself when you're going through a transition. Um, many pastors who have more of a, a kind of a, a territorial attitude or a possessive attitude yes. about their ministry, uh, it, it doesn't work in a transition if you have that kind of response. You have to be willing to share ministry. Uh, prior to the actual transition, we shared the, the pulpit ministry almost equally. Interesting. Um, and that was you know, a very gracious thing on, on his part. And uh, that became a transition so that people in the church who had known this one single pastor for a number of years, he was their pastor, he was their preaching pastor, uh, began to uh, incorporate into their understanding of the church ministry another person, another personality. And so uh, probably the key ingredient is is that sense of servanthood that you're willing to do in the pastoral ministry whatever needs to be done. Okay. And you're, you're not really holding on to your rank. You'll, you'll be an associate, you'll be a senior, uh, you'll be in charge, or you'll be supportive uh, as the as the need is there. Seek first the kingdom. That's absolutely yeah. right. Now, how long did the process take? How long was that process? Now, you, you came, you said, in the 90s. Yes. And then how long did you actually work together w- with him? The first three years, I was the associate, right. and Jim was the senior pastor. He had continued on from before. Uh, after we made that transition, we aligned out a year of an interim period where I, I would assume the role of senior pastor, and Jim would be the associate, um, and we wanted to be sure the church was uh, good with that, so that there wasn't any question about whether this would be a workable, longer-term okay. solution. So after that period of, of a year as an interim, uh, then they affirmed that that would be the more permanent direction. So I became the senior pastor. Jim stayed on as the associate pastor. He stayed on for another five years. Wow, amazing. And, uh, so that was a wonderful uh, testimony to the fact that we could be a pastoral team yes. and could uh, even change roles without feeling like there was a major upheaval. 
And that continued again. Now, you've left Benton. Yes. And you handed off ministry to your successor. I did. Gary McNitt came as my associate, and uh, we worked together for four or five years. Um, Gary became the senior pastor in the same fashion that I did. So I stepped down and became the associate and served for another almost four years in that role before I retired from the church ministry. That sounds like one of Benton's distinctives. I think it is. It's happened. <laughs> Praise it God. It actually happened before I came because uh, the previous pastor to Jim Reese uh, became, he, although he did leave, he didn't stay on as the associate, but there was that sense of a, of a pattern that was established. Well, thank you. What would be your best pastoral advice? What pastoral counsel would you offer to leaders who are taking training? I think the probably the primary thing is to see yourself as as a servant. Paul said it, you know, that uh, he was entrusted with the gospel, and and he said, "We ourselves are your servants for Christ's sake." Amen. Amen. So a servanthood attitude in leadership is probably more essential than any other thing I can think of. And um, certainly, and it's, it's that, hard to measure, isn't it? It's not the kind of thing that shows up necessarily on a on a resume, on an application form, but it's, it's, it, you're saying it's so core yes. that without it, the God will not bless that life, that gifting, without that sense of dependence and service and holding ministry, as it were, with open hands and willingness to, to, to serve Christ and the people of God wherever and however he chooses. Absolutely. If, if your attitude as a pastor is, I know I'm called to be a pastor, I am called to shepherd God's people, but they're not my sheep, they're, they're his. And so however he wants to position me, wherever, you know, whatever direction he wants me to go, I will serve him using the gifting that he's placed within me, using the calling to pastor his people, but not to do it with, with a sense of possessiveness. Hmm. Uh, these are my people, this is my yes, church, right. uh, I'm here to serve. And if that is your attitude, it doesn't have to be uh, a meek, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a milk toast right, attitude right, like right. I'm nobody. Right. But on the other hand, it, it doesn't put you at the center of everything. Now, to wrap, wrap this up uh, in this podcast, how do you maintain your own spiritual vitality? Obviously, that's so key, isn't it, for us as, as leaders to make sure that our, our walk with God, I think of Paul's instruction to Timothy when he said, watch your life and doctrine closely. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? What counsel would you offer others in terms of maintaining a spiritual vitality throughout ministry? Well, we know that the spiritual disciplines of, of the Word and prayer are, are essential. Um, I do think a, a constant reminder of ourselves of who we are and, and what we're about and, and how we position ourselves with God. Uh, in my prayer life, as an example, almost, almost daily, I'm sure it's daily, that I, I reflect on the fact that Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And I just, I, I joyfully, I honestly tell the Lord, I, I affirm that. Amen. I know I can do nothing without you. Mm. But then I always couple that with the verse that Paul uh, spoke when he said, I can do all things through Christ yes. who strengthens Amen. me. So while I can do nothing without Jesus, and I, I know that, I know that I can do all things with Jesus. So affirming that on a daily basis and asking the Lord to be my strength uh, enables me to, to walk in the power of his spirit and not to try to do things on my own, but to depend upon him as he said I should 
because I can't do anything without him. But to know that I can do all things in Christ. Amen. Key balance, isn't it? Yes. A key balance to maintain, not just as a young pastor or a seminary student, but as a, uh, a lifelong desire to serve Christ, to be his follower, to be faithful to him wherever and however he chooses to use us. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks for your time. We look forward to further conversations about how God has used you, some of the things that God is teaching you and uh, he has put on your heart to teach others. God bless. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for tuning in to 931 Growing the Church in Canada, a podcast seeking to explore issues of church revitalization. To learn more about what Heritage College and Theological Seminary has to offer you and your church, please visit our website at heritagecambridge.com where we're seeking to honour and serve Jesus Christ and his bride, the church.